we'll be back, and then we'll be back for church on Wednesday. Uh, then uh, we'll be leaving flying out, and then in the next uh, Saturday, and we'll be back till uh, actually two Sundays in a row. So it'll be actually uh, cum- accumulation of uh, Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, and then the next two Sundays after that. Okay, but it will and uh, Wednesday in between there so as well. So I do have a sign-up list for men. If you want to cover those, uh, you can put your name in there. I've asked several of you. And, uh, so you've got your preferences or whether you want to preach morning or evening, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night. So there's um, several services in there um, for you to be able to minister in that way. Um, we are planning to, like I said, be with our... Our kids uh, <clears throat> try to get with them a couple times a year, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Ask for your prayers as we do that. Um, next, this Friday night, actually, I'll be preaching for Brother Lewis. They're having a, uh, a um, uh, stewardship banquet, and uh, so I've been asked to come and preach there on Friday night. So I ask for your prayers for that. And... Uh, uh, the Lord had just blessed that that opportunity as well. This morning we're going to look at the idea where really uh, uh, the Lord has at least me focused personally on on uh, going forward and being uh, all that I can be as a Christian, as a pastor, um, all that I can be as a father, a grandfather, uh, every aspect of my life God is pressing upon me to do. Uh, do the, what I can to do my best, and uh, and so I really feel that is uh, a worthy goal for us as the Christians in this church. Is is we're not just going to play church; we're really going to press, push hard. Um, you know, I I've done <clears throat> some running, like to do some more. I uh, and I, I when I was running, I got as far. I wanted to do a half a marathon was my goal which is uh, 13 miles. Um, I got as far as nine miles and, uh, and uh, washed out, you know. And, uh, but I still want to do that. Um, and uh, the, when, you do, when you take something like that, it, it's some, anybody that's uh, done much, just the physical, is you really you have to push yourself. You, you you push yourself uh, really beyond what you think you can do, and uh, when you do that, you you uh, you know you start putting some things in order, uh, in order to to do. I'm convinced in order if I ever get a chance to do that half marathon, I'll, I'll really have to be kind of watching what I eat, um, how much sleep I get, and uh, and then uh, I have to be kind of focused on. On maybe you know getting the the exercise that I need, you know, uh, you know maybe two or three times a week, having to uh, get out there and and try to do that. Um, and when you think of uh, uh, in your Christian life, you want your Christian life to go forward. Uh, it's a spiritual; it's not so physical in the sense that I'm talking about here uh, with running, but it is it is a an endeavor that requires. You know, some straining and stretching. And uh, if you look at the word, you go back and you look at the word uh, uh, when it talks about straining and stretching, the idea is that you push forward 
in such a way that you push forward in your time with the Word of God. Brother uh, Oscar has been sharing with me something that is really he's very enthusiastic about. He, he says that he was caught on to a little bit of, uh, I don't know whether he, any of you remember Brother Kenny. Um, uh, he's, uh, he was in our church for a while and, uh, uh, and he moved, got in, uh, into the Marines and moved out west. And, and uh, he said that he uh, was doing a memorization of the scriptures and um, the method that he was using really working. And, and Brother Oscar has caught on to that himself and has shared that with me and others uh, that would listen. And uh, but it requires it requires some some uh, uh, disciplines, wouldn't you say, Brother O? Uh, requires some you know staying after it, memorizing, keeping memory the, the scriptures, making it important enough that you make it a priority. Um, same thing with uh, when we think about uh, prayer. Um, you know, we've been talking about the importance and the value of prayer. Uh, we're to pray without ceasing, effectual and fervent praying, the Bible speaks of. Um, that means it's going to be different maybe than what it's been right now. Uh, maybe your prayer life hasn't been that way. Maybe you haven't seen the priority or whatever. Uh, we've made emphasis before. Uh, I know since I've been here about prayer. and um, But it says the effectual and fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And so there's some real values uh, that uh, uh, that are in, in pushing forward in that way, and uh, so we were looking at that. And I I, I want to go back, and I I, I want to go back and look when you when a person gets saved. Um, you know, we know that there are individuals that have made professions of faith. Okay, they've asked in a sense. Uh, asked the Lord into their heart, uh, but it, there wasn't a real, um, what I want to say, a spirit of, of uh, surrender. And uh, without that, without that surrender, uh, then it, it, sometimes you wonder. You know, they just kind of committed themselves to praying a prayer, but haven't given themselves completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what, I, what I want to look at this morning is the idea that if, if there isn't been that surrender, and the Bible says that we need to die daily, so there has to be that surrender, but it has to be it has to be done more than once. Uh, if it's if it's just that one time, well, I gave my life to the Lord. Well, you know, there you get up every morning, and there needs to be a recommitment. Just like if I if I was to reach that uh, half marathon goal, I couldn't just make a commitment this morning and say. Well, I, I'm going to exercise and eat right today. Um, how many think I would get there through the marathon? Think it happen? Uh, I probably would. I probably by noon would be uh, ready to say, no, well, you know what? That cheeseburger looks really nice. And that salad doesn't look so good. And, uh, and hush, one. And um, you're not helping. Um, so it takes a commitment every day. And you'd get up and you'd say to yourself, I need to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's see if we're going to see, and this is what I'm hoping to communicate this morning through the Word, is that if we're going to see the Lord work, it, you know, you think about raising your children, it isn't that flash in the pan that makes a good son or daughter. 
It's that consistency every day. Being the father, being the mother that you need to be. And uh, recommitting yourself to those, those goals and those, those values that you want to impart to them. And if you don't do that, if there's not that, that recommitment each day to that, uh, probably more than likely, you're not going to see it. And when we're talking in the spiritual realm, it's thinking that if it's going to happen, I've got to ask God for grace and I've got to seek God's grace in being what I need to be and grace to, to spend the time in His Word and prayer that I need to do. I need to be committed to, to the things that God has called me to do. Remember, we talked about the, that trouble always leads to what? I heard it. Oscar? Humility. All right. Trouble always leads to humility. Humility always leads to what? Huh? Prayer. And prayer always leads to. Yeah. The idea of obedience. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at that surrendered life. So if you take your Bibles this morning, we're gonna take a, a maybe just maybe a teaching moment. But I want you to see in Acts chapter number one, as we look through the Bible, Acts chapter number one. Well, let's let's change a little bit. Let's go to Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter number twenty-four. We're gonna we will go to Luke one or Acts one, but let's go to Luke chapter number twenty-four. What I want to do today is look at the things that lead us to the place of a surrendered life. Um, I think sometimes if we don't remind ourselves of what our responsibilities are, we'll never reach that godly goal that God wants us to reach. Luke chapter number 24. Let's stand as we read God's Word together. The Bible says in verse number 46, Verse 45, I guess, would be a better place to start. He says, and he says, and he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Verse 46, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise the third rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. In verse 49, Behold, I send you the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. And Lord Jesus, You know my heart. Father, no doubt you know every person here that's here this morning. And you know that whether our heart is in tune with yours, if we are 
seriously endeavoring, Father, to be all that we should be as Your people, that we endeavor to be all that we should be as fathers and mothers and, and as members of this church. And Father, that we would be what we need to be for one another. And I ask, Father, that You'd give us grace to see, uh, Lord, what we need to see, to be, in a sense, committed, Father, to Your work and to Your way. And help us, Father, if we're not. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. We're going to look at the idea here is that we have a commissioned responsibility. And I say commission that, that he says, and according to what we see here in Luke, and we're going to look at it as well in, in other portions of Scripture, is that this is something, he says, he opened their understanding. And that means that we know that the word understanding is synonymous with the word inspiration. When you think of someone being inspired, uh, they are not just have a, a, an understanding of it in a sense they have knowledge, but they're motivated. The idea of I say I know what God's will is and I am moved to do it. And so he opened their understanding and, what, and the idea that he says that, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. That is a commissioned responsibility. That's something that we can look at. We can uh, digest. We can say, yeah, I see it. But we say, you know, I have the ability to respond to that and say, you know what, I, I can't get around that. I can't get over that. I can't get away from that. That is a commissioned responsibility. We're going to look at it again in Matthew chapter, the end of Matthew, if you would. This is probably the one that's uh, most quoted. Matthew chapter number 28. In verse number 18. Again, what responsibility is this? This is the commissioned responsibility. Uh, when I took a... Uh, I had to take an oath when I... Uh, when I join TSA to uphold the Constitution. They had me swear that I would uphold the Constitution. That was my sworn responsibility. I took an oath. In verse chapter 28, if you look in verse number 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Okay, so that's not just in heaven, but also with us, with our what his church. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Again, we have this seeming same responsibility uh, of a commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And while you're looking at the end of Matthew's Gospel, turn over to Mark. We see the same thing in this Gospel. 
The last chapter of Mark, verse 15. It probably would be well to step back into verse 14. He says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they ate meat. The Bible says here that he upbraided them. Means that was kind of a, a in a in a sense a scold, okay. He upbraided them <clears throat> with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. He said unto them, "What go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature?" He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then he had these, verse 17 and 18, as confirming signs that would follow them. Of course, we realize that uh, we have the Word of God at this point. We don't, the need for signs was no longer needed. But I believe God still will protect and guide and, and us as we go through our responsibility as we're commissioned. But God didn't leave us just alone. Okay, so we have this commissioned responsibility. That means that everybody's been given that. He, he, not just the disciples, not just the apostles. But this was given to His church. You'll know that as He left, He didn't just leave the apostles. They were to organize and structure that first church. Many people believe the first church was Christ. His disciples. Maybe so. But one thing we do know for certain then is that it is the church's responsibility in this commission. Now, the thing that we run up against is, is do we want to do what we're commissioned to do? Alright? It is a responsibility, but we don't have, it isn't that we're forced to do it, it's something that we should want to do. And you say, well, how can that be? How do we join the responsibility with the idea of wanting to do it? That's, it's, if we wanted to do it, I wouldn't be preaching this message this morning. And we wouldn't be straining with this idea. It's the idea we need to join our heart with the idea of what God's responsibility is. And if you'll look with me, we're going to look at some verses together to in, in, include that. We're going to go back, if you would, to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. This is, like I said in, uh, I think, Wednesday night, I, I don't, I'm not going to show anybody something that they haven't seen. But it's something that is, that we can allow ourselves to put aside. My hope is to refresh in our spirit and our mind. Acts chapter number 1. In verse number 7, And he said unto it is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own power. And they were concerned about when they would restore the nation of Israel. But he says, here's what I want you to know. Verse number 8. He says, but you shall receive power. Now, here we go. We're going we're to attach the idea 
of desire and ability with the idea of responsibility. He says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria under the uttermost parts of the world. So he's saying here what? We have been commissioned with a responsibility, but now we have a calling. And he says not only is that calling there, but he says there's an equipping. So that we're not just given the responsibility, but we're equipped or we're prepared to do that. And so the idea that the moment that any person in this room or any other place receives Christ as their Savior, and they're truly the child of God, they've been drawn by the Holy Spirit into responding to the gospel. They have surrendered at some point in your life. You surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, you received His Spirit. Every person. There's no one. If you haven't got His Spirit, the Bible says you're none of His. And so we have at our disposal the ability to match our heart with the heart of the Lord Jesus. That seeking to save that which is lost. And make it a determination that if you haven't got that inward desire to do the work of God, it's not that it's not available. It's just you haven't availed yourself to the opportunity that the Lord is presenting. Remember what we said. We can't in and of ourselves do nothing. Right? When we try to do things in our own strength and our own ability, we soon find that we don't have this desire. We don't have the ability to do that. He says in verse 8, but he says that you shall receive power. But he says, wait. How did they wait? They just sit there in that upper room waiting and twiddling their thumbs together? Did they just sit there and say, well, Lord, we're here. Uh, As soon as you get here, we'll get started. What did they do? They spent time in prayer. As I mentioned, I believe last week, they were finding some things out that needed to be dealt with. They were finding things out, like the idea that, that uh, they needed to replace Judas. How did they find that out? The Word of God and prayer. Let me ask you the question. Is there things in your life, and my life, and the life of this church that God wants us to see? Is there some things inside that say, you know what, this is, uh, this is not really the way I wanted you to be equipped. This is not really the way I, I want you to be prepared. And I, and I want to show you some things, but the only way I can show you is through the Word of God and prayer. Let's look at Acts chapter number 2. Again, we're looking at this idea of, of calling and responsibility. Acts chapter 2. Here we see the response of the gospel being uh, uh, preached.
The Bible says in verse 31, he seeing. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all, what? We're all witnesses. That you say, I know the Lord. The Lord has saved me. We are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He has shed forth this which ye now see and what? Peter was expressing to these individuals in, the, in his preaching that this enthusiasm, this desire, this, uh, this forward motion of the apostles at this point is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And we went back. We'll go over it again. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Manifesting Himself is that something that people are both going to what? Hear and what? See. They're going to hear about your commissioned responsibility. They're going to see that you've been given power in order to do that. In verse number 34, and David is, for David is not ascended into the heaven, but he saith, Himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit here thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made His same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Bible says in verse 37, Now when they what? Heard what? The work of the Holy Spirit. Preaching the Word of God. Seeing evidence of it in these apostles. The Bible says they were what? Pricked in their hearts. What pricked them in their hearts? The divine responsibility given to the apostles. Commissioned to them not only to to have that responsibility, but also to do that responsibility. And the Bible says they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles and men and brethren, what shall we do? It's our responsibility. Through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God to take what God has commissioned to us and bring it to the people to the point that they say, what must I do? Presented the Gospel last night. Brought them all the way up to the place that they needed to say, what must I do? I didn't get a what must I do. I wanted a what must I do. But that's our responsibility. And when we have God's power and God's ability, then that commission comes to the place that people will ask, what must I do? And Peter explained to them what they must do. Wouldn't it be great if we'd have God's power and God's ability taking that commission that He gave to us to the degree 
that people would ask that question. Let's look at Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. Is there going to be some opposition? Sure, you've already felt it. The opposition is from within, but also the opposition will be from without. Verse number 28. 5 and 28. They'd set the... Apostles before the high priest in verse 28 saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in His name? Behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine intending to bring this man's blood upon us. What had happened? They'd filled Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God had, had moved them forward had pressured them forward that they kept communicating and communicating and communicating. They were relentless. And the testimony, you filled this place with this doctrine. In verse number 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God. Oh man, now, now it's becoming a matter of obedience. We've been commissioned and now we've been given the ability and now we are, are going to be confronted also with that responsibility that if we don't, what it says, we ought to obey God rather than what? So if we're not obeying God, then who are we obeying? If we're not obeying what He's commissioned us to do and given us the ability to do, then we're hearing another voice that says you don't have to do it. Do you think we'll have a time when we'll stand before God and give an account for that? It was interesting. I was talking to somebody and they said, I want to go to a church where there's more grace. Grace. Less law. And I'm thinking, well, what what would be less law? Well, there's no rules. There's no no requirements. No pushing, no shoving, no no uh, no uh, no challenge. You're here this morning. We say, what's, your, what's Pastor trying to communicate to us? What, what is he trying to get across to us this morning? That God has some, something He's commissioned His people to do. Would you agree with that? How many say, Pastor, I think God has commissioned us to do that? How many think God has given us, not only He's commissioned us to do that, but He's given us the ability to do that? Then we have to work together with that. We have to work together in the sense that if God has commissioned us to do it, you say, well, we just need to pull our bootstraps up and go out and, and, uh, and do some more street minutes. We just need to pull our bootstraps up and, and uh, make things happen. No, what we need to do is wait in Jerusalem until we're what? And do. If it's a carnal activity, 
that motivates us to do God's work. Guess what? There's no power. You ever try to do something without power? I, I, I dare dare you take go home and, uh, and come in. Uh, uh, by the time you get home, uh, for one reason or another, shuts the power off. Go ahead and grab the vacuum sweeper and go over the vacuum and the floor. Go through the motions. You can do the floor several times. You think it's going to get any cleaner? What do you think? Try it. You say, well, I, I, I'll just, uh, you know, I'm going to go out and buy groceries and, I, and, uh, and the power's out, but that doesn't matter. i still got a refrigerator. I'll put them in there. Would you do that, Juanita? I can't wait to get home. I know the refrigerator doesn't have power, but you'll need no power. Refrigerator will work without power. <laughs> no, it won't. Neither will our Christian lives work without power. Verse number 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be Prince and Savior, for to give repentance to Israel. I want you to read with me verse 32. And it says what? And we are His what? We are His witnesses. Of these things. And so also is who? A Holy Ghost. So we need what? We need that power, don't we? He says that we're here, but hey, we're here and aided with the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God. He says, and we. We're as witnesses whom God hath given them to given to them that obey him. And then verse thirty three, this is what we always like to hear. And the Bible says they what? And they were what? They were cut to the heart. See, we can continue on to do things our way. We can continue on to do things just going through the motions. We can say, you know what? I need God's power. I need God's ability. I need God's strength. I need God's mind. I need God's uh, uh, desire. Turn your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look a little bit more at this idea of the Holy Spirit. Somehow we think it happens without it. We've convinced ourselves if we just go through the motions and we just do, then we, we have a sense of salving our conscience. No results, but we've salved our conscience. When Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest, would you go out to a field to try to harvest something and not bring anything back? What would a farmer be? Say, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, corn pick the corn, but I don't plan on bringing anything back. I'm going to go out and uh, shell, uh, 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 combine some beans, but 
I, I, I got a I got a hopper in the back and I got a wagon sitting on the end of the field, but I'm not really planning to bring anything back. You're planting a garden. How many planted the garden this year? Some of you didn't bring anything back. That's another thing. But how many of you would have planted a garden if you wasn't going to get anything? Would you? No. So let's put it into terms that we can understand. So if you and sitting in this pew this morning, and you say, well, I'd go out if I knew somebody would get saved. I'd go and tell my neighbor if I really thought they'd get saved. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be a part of the nursing home ministry if I could really see people saved. I, I'd be interested in starting a bus ministry and being a part of the street ministry. I really saw I thought somebody would get saved. No doubt. No doubt every person in this room would be a part of a ministry. They knew they'd go out and they'd bring something back. Well, let's look at what the Bible says about that. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. And the Bible says here, <clears throat> verse number 12, it says, Seeing then we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which, was, which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the remaining of the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in who? What veil? They can't see? They can't understand? In verse 17, And now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. Freedom. The ability that God liberates someone from their blindness, from their closed-mindedness, from their uh, uh, inability to see where their sin's taking them. Verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as a glass in the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to what? Glory. God changes us. Just like Moses was in the presence of God, and when he came down to the night, he had to veil himself. God says no veil for the Christian. We're exposing people to the Holy Spirit. We're exposing people to the power of God. We're exposing people to God's mind and God's heart and God's Spirit. The Bible says our change in the same image, the glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. So when you and I Take that time that we so strain at. Always strain at that. 
We think of spending that uh, uh, 20 minutes in prayer and boy, it's just a difficult time if there's that much time spent in prayer. We just don't think it's worth it. Let me say, until we see the value... Thank you, sir. Until we see the value... of prayer, we will never see the power of God. Oh, we can go to the nursing home and we could go on the street and we could go door to door and we should. And we could somehow muster enough money to get that bus or get another bus. That other bus is gone. But to get another bus. Roll it up and down the streets and the hedges and the highways. And we could get folks to come in. And we're going to have something on the 22nd and by... By our simple human strength, we could probably get people to come in for that Sunday. But we're looking for what? We're wanting what? We want fruit. We want to see people touched and saying in their heart, What must I do? We want the Holy Spirit to cut them in such a way, spiritually in their mind, in their heart, Ah, what must I do? They were cut to the heart. You and I, in our strength and ability, cannot do that. I mean, understand that. We can't do that. As as much as we'd say, "I I want to see people saved. I want to see my friends and family come to know the Lord as their Savior. My neighbors. I want to see them reached with the Gospel. I don't care how much you want to see it. Never happen just by your own desire. It's God that does it. That's why He said you've got to wait in Jerusalem until you're in due. In verse number, chapter number four, therefore, here's the conclusion. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we what? What does that faint mean? It's not keeling over like you're lightheaded. It's a quitting. It's backing away from what we should be doing. And whether it's in prayer or, or in the work, it's not a, it's saying we faint not, and it says that we, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. God wants a Holy Spirit witness that you and I can't give in our flesh. He wants a witness and a testimony that only God can do when you're empowered by Him. And he goes on to say, verse 3, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it's be hidden them or lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If you didn't get it that it was the Holy Spirit, look in verse 5. For we do what? 
We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. Ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, you think about it. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, with the power of God, it's like looking into the face of Christ. When they see your love, your compassion, your desire, when they see that there's just no way around it, that's God. You say, what is, is that what we, is that the reason we don't see the response? I believe this with all my heart. I don't think there's anything any different with any of the individuals that we see and work with, live with. I don't think there's any difference between the people today and the people back then. What do you say the difference is? You and me. The other problem is, is we got to get what we got up here down here. And just like we can't reach people with the, with the gospel that is only manifest with the flesh, God can't reach this idea of what the truth is about our own need until we spend that time on, in those parables, those clauses. And you say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait in Jerusalem. I'm not just going to wait in the sense that I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to be actively asking God, what things are you pointing out in my life that are a hindrance to the Gospel and taking care of those things? I shared this with someone just recently. I want you to see it. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Look what he says. It takes two requiring the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. One without the other is useless. Look what it says. He says you need to be born of the water and the Spirit in verse 5. That which is born of the flesh is flesh in verse 6. Verse 7, marvel not what I say, you must be born again. But look in verse 8. He says what? The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. Cannot tell whether it, whence it cometh and whither it goeth. And what's it say? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Well, we can shove this Bible in people's faces and say this is what the Bible does say the Lord. But if that Holy Spirit power isn't there to convince and convict, then all the Scripture that we have will be no good. The wind when the Holy Spirit knows when things are right, the Holy Spirit knows when you've prayed the way He's asked you to pray. Holy Spirit knows if your life is as clean as it should be. He knows. And so I want you this morning, and myself as well, let's quit blaming God. 
Oh, we don't say it out loud. We blame everything else. The people, the day and age we live in, we blame our church, we blame one another. But what we need to do is just point the finger back. The reason I don't see a fruit in my life is I have no power. Or I have no ability. I want... I want us to be convinced to the degree that we're going to pray the way God has asked us. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. The church at Corinth struggled in a lot of ways and the Lord gave them everything they needed to be that church. He tooled them up with every resource that was needed for them to be go from a failing church, a sinning church, a corrupt church. And you say, well, I'm not like the Corinthian. No, I, I, you know what I'm going to tell you? I don't think we're much better than the Corinthian church. If we are as powerless as as and, and as unfruitful, then we are not what we think we are. I am not the pastor that, that I should be. If there's no fruit, look what it says in chapter 5. He says in verse 14, and this is the Apostle speaking of himself. He says, Whether we beside ourselves, it is God. And whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all what? Wherefore, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. It's a simple little statement, but you know what that means? I don't look through the flesh at people anymore. I look through the Spirit. I don't see things in a fleshly, carnal way anymore. I see things through the Spirit. He says, we see no man, no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know Him no more. That means we know Him spiritually. We're intimately involved. He is intimately involved in our lives. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Christ Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. He says, first of all, I'm reconciled to Christ. And then He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is our ministry? Reconciling people that are lost to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what has to come first? We first need to be reconciled to Him. We have to know Him not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
We have to understand His ways, His will. And that's why He says in verse number 19, to wit, to witness that God was in Christ reconciling the world in Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We, we pray you in God's Christ's stead. Now what is Paul saying? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Corinthians, in, in as much as just as if Jesus was standing here Himself telling you these things. Well, that's pretty bold, isn't it? That'd be pretty bold for anybody from Garfield Ridge Baptist Church to step up to say to somebody, I am telling you just as if Jesus was standing in front of you that you need to get saved. I'm telling you that your sins will find you out. You say, well, I couldn't do that. Paul did it. I'm in Christ's stead. Now, either he was very bold and very brash and very self-inflated or he was real. Let me ask you as we close. What direction are we going to take? Let's just keep on going the way we've been. Let's let's just assume that this is the best it gets and it doesn't get any better. Or believe that God is bigger and stronger and more powerful and can do things that I have not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, beloved. As your pastor, I want to take the latter. I want to believe that the best days are ahead for everybody in this room. I want to believe that you have, and I have not seen what God can do. What I'm asking you this morning is to resurrender. Say, Lord, I know I'm saved. But Lord, I want to I want to see your power. I want to see your strength. I want to see your ability. I want to see people that I talk to get saved. I wanna I want to be motivated from in. Not just to do the, the witnessing when it's convenient, when everybody else is doing it. I want it to be in my heart. I want to be, that's who I am. That's who God wants me to be. And this morning you say, I, I need to be committed to waiting on the Lord to being endued with power. It's a choice. It really is. It's a choice. There's not a person in this room that doesn't believe what this Bible says. 
But we know when you when you make that commitment, it's going to say, you know, it's going to cost me something. It means I'm probably going to have to get up earlier or maybe go to bed later. It means that I'm going to have to go through some times of, of frustration with not feeling like I'm really getting anywhere. But just like, if I can use this example again, but just like if you were ever going to run a marathon, it's going to take some work, isn't it? It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take some determination. That this is God's book and this is God's church and I want what God has to be put in my heart. Let's close our prayer. Heavenly Father, in my own heart, Father, I know what I need to do in my own heart 